Welcome to the Kill Rock Podcast. This is episode 26. Today we have Drew Zaragoza from the band Cynical. But first, before we get to the interview, before we get to the entire episode, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you go to audibletrial.com backslash killrock, you can get a free 30-day trial as well as a free audiobook download. What a better time during the holiday season to get your free download. You can use these Audible book downloads on your iPhone, on your Android, MP3 player, or even your Kindle. So go check it out at audibletrial.com backslash killrock. Jump! 
Welcome to the Kill Rock Podcast. That was the song Sword by the band Matter. They're going to be on the show in a couple weeks. You can go check out their EP, Terrafim, on iTunes on Bandcamp. And we're going to have a link to their iTunes on the description of this page. Welcome once again to the Kill Rock Podcast, like I said a second ago. Today we have Drew Zaragoza from the band Cynical. He's also uh, a proud worker in the billing department. At the Musicians Institute, where, like I've said a million times, I went to school and learned about stuff and things about music business and industry stuff and yada, yada, yada. We had a good time. He came down to uh, Studio Kill Rock, in which we're in the process of moving, but we'll talk about that later. Um, He came down, got to talk about a lot of stuff. Got to talk about Cynical. We got to talk about crazy stories in the billing department and uh, Taylor Swift hitting number one and getting a platinum record in the process. All in all, it was a good time. We'll get to that in just one moment. But first, just want to let you guys know, we want to thank you for joining us last week for Kevin Lyman from the Warp Tour as well as our Warp Tour band announcement unofficial after show. Check out this Thursdays. Myself and Wasim Baz are going to be talking about bands that almost broke up on the Warp Tour. So if you have any stories that you know about, send them our way. Kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. Also, easy way for you guys to help support the Kill Rock Podcast. Do what you're doing. Listen and download. Also, subscribe. Also, rate and review. Send us those five stars. Let us know how we're doing. If you guys don't like what we're doing, give us one star and give us a really nice critique. And we will fix the show. We'll, we'll, we'll do our best. We do our best to make the show as good as possible. If you have any comments, concerns, anything, email us personally. Kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. That is the best way of getting a hold of us. You could also follow us on Twitter at Kill Rock Podcast. You could follow us on or like us on Facebook. It's slash kill.rock.podcast. We're setting up for the new year and we are stoked and we want you guys to come along with us. Before we get to the interview, before we get to any type of news deal within the business, the industry, scene, whatever you want to call it, I just want to let you guys know what's coming up in the next few weeks here on the Kill Rock Podcast. Obviously, last thursday we released the warp tour band announcement unofficial after show with myself and wasim bazi from the band good luck varsity thank you guys for downloading thank you guys for checking it out we truly appreciate it it's a fun thing to do uh we're most likely going to try to do it every thursday after every warped wednesday when the bands are announced talk about stuff that has to do with the warp tour as well as talk about our opinions of those bands and just you know even try to, you know, forecast what bands are coming up that are going to be announced. We'll see how good of forecasters we really are. <laughs> I mean, uh, sometimes it's predictable, but sometimes it's kind of odd. I mean, Neck Deep being on a second warp Tour, that I don't want to say that's odd, but I mean, that I don't think a lot of people would have expected a band to do two years in a row, especially when they're not on their album cycle. But... Anyways, maybe they are going to release a new album. I don't know. 
But it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. We have Drew today, obviously. We have Prepared Like a Bride coming up next week. We have Matter, who opened up the show this week, uh, the week after that. And the last week of the year, we have Silent Planet, Interview Part 2. We got to talk with Garrett Russell in the tour van before they played at Malone's out in Santa Ana, California. And that's going to be a good one, especially for those that want to hear more about The Night God Slept, which they released on November 10th of 2014. Off Solid State Records. So stay tuned. We have amazing episodes coming up. We're going to try to bring in the new year as best as possible. So like I said, stay tuned for that. This week, uh, I wanted to talk about the whole ordeal regarding Red Cord Records because it's just so fresh on everybody's minds. Everyone's so quick to judge what's going on regarding Joey Matthews, the owner of Red Cord Records, as well as all the bands that are on that label and all the discrepancies and whatever. Like, it's not a good situation. It's not a good situation for the label. It's definitely not a good situation for the bands. But then again, Red Cord was never a good situation for the bands. Why? Because they gave really crappy contracts and the bands that they gave these contracts to, for the most part, were not ready. Uh, they weren't good. They weren't... Uh, they had no ability to be promoted because they didn't have good songs. It was just a no-win situation for everybody. The only band that Red Cord signed was Phineas that ended up being good. And I think they knew that. I think there's a, a few things. If you're in a local independent band and a label's trying to talk to you, especially a new label, and you look at the roster and you see that there's like 12 or 13, 14 bands you've never heard of, I think that's a red flag. That's a total red flag because all they're doing, I mean, I'm not I'm not working at Red Cord. I am not in the mind of the owner. I am just stating my opinion whenever i see a label that has all these bands on it that i've never heard of first thing i think is these guys are trying to stack up their roster why i don't know i mean if it was like one two maybe three bands that makes sense because then that label has the ability to promote those one two three bands because they're within the means it's easy to promote one, two, maybe three bands. Managers have like three or four bands that they help out, that they work with. Everything regarding this label was stretched out. And then you have to think about it from the perspective that if in the contract it says if you sign to another label, you're still technically, like Red Cord has the ability to, uh, not just Red Cord, any label has the ability to follow you. So you're still within the confines of red court but you're on a bigger label which means that that money that's coming to you to that label to recoup the album is also going to the original label that happens that's in these contracts so it's like the labels playing russian roulette on these bands that don't have the ability to make it one band has made it one band has is still around and that's phineas and that's a story in itself. I don't know what's going on with that. We'll find. I'm sure we'll find out in a couple months. 
I, I'm super sure we're going to find out in a couple months um, because they are on an album cycle and we got to see what's going to happen. Anyway, and it also it's also kind of suspicious when a label comes to you and says, hey, we want you to sign to a record label or our record label and you know you have to pay for your first recording which okay i get that you know silent planet record they you know paid and recorded their own album before they signed with solid state that stuff happens emery did that with the week's end they finished the week's end and then they got signed to tooth and nail but that's the thing they got signed after they recorded these albums there are labels out there that say hey I want you guys to pay for your lab- for your record, but you have to come to my studio and I have to record it. That doesn't make sense to me. That makes absolutely no sense. Why? Why would you pay someone to record your album when they're the ones that are supposed to be supporting you? They're the ones that are supposed to be helping you out. They're not... That's no, that's sketchy. That's super sketchy. And then, you know, so basically you're going to give them like five to seven thousand dollars to record your album that they're going to release, that they're going to own. They're going to own everything. They're going to own every song. Your songs are not yours anymore. They're not going to be yours if you sign into a label anyway, but you're already you're paying them $7,000 to take your song. That's bull crap. That's a lot of other words other than bull crap. It's disgusting. It's garbage. And how do I know this? I've seen these contracts. I was offered these contracts. I took him to a lawyer and I had it plain as day told what these contracts say. This is garbage. And people are going to feel sorry for someone that's apologizing for all this crap that has gone on over these last few years. No, you lost control of your business and you don't deserve your business anymore. That's a fact. And I don't care if there's any repercussions of me saying this. It's horse crap that these bands, these kids, and here's the thing. These bands aren't, they're not little uh, Miss Innocent over here or Mr. Innocence or whatever. They're the ones that signed the contracts. It, it, if anything, it's their fault. It's their fault that this all happened. There's always a fine print. And these bands took the bad business decisions and they signed these contracts. And where are these bands now? They're nowhere. They're gone. They're broken up. They're in shambles. Only one band has made it. And we'll see what happens in the next few months, in the next year, we'll see what happens. We would also like to congratulate uh, CM Punk for joining the UFC after a whole year of not really doing anything, just resting from the WWE. And it has nothing to do with music, but 
I love uh, CM Punk, and he deserves the best for the most part. Uh, I guess he deserves something. To a lot of people, he deserves something. Either a swift kick to the teeth or uh, a whole bunch of love. So congratulations to him. Thank you guys once again for joining us here at the Kill Rock Podcast. The hashtag KRP. We have Drew Saragosa coming up in just one second. But first, before we get to the interview with Drew, we're going to play a song from the, his band, Cynical. This is Still in Mind. After EP, Still in Mind. You're on the hashtag KRP. the kill rock podcast we have a treat for you today we have a former schoolmate of mine and i like to say schoolmate <laughs> um drew uh zaragoza uh he sings and plays guitar in a band called cynical 
and he was also uh, in the MVP program at Musicians Institute. So how are you doing, Drew? Good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you so much for coming down. Uh, you're coming down from, like, what, L.A.? Yeah, Hollywood, you know. <laughs> Hollywood. Um, so, Cynical, uh, you guys have an EP. Uh, I believe it came out this year, right? Yeah, March. In March. Um, what was the response been? Because you guys are a small, I won't say small market because you're out of L.A., but you are a small band. Um, how has the reception been for that album? Um, it's been great, actually. We got a lot of press, and it's definitely taken us, you know, to our next step in our career, and, you know, it's got us some gigs, and we're, we've made all our money back, so now we're just basically, you know, giving those away. And, really? Uh, right, yeah, so it basically did exactly what we wanted it to do, you know? Right. And uh, got us more on a professional level, because it's a nice layout, you know, sound quality's there. Yeah. And that's something that we were kind of missing before. So now that we have this nice EP, now we're right in the full length. Uh huh. So that was kind of the launching pad for what is to come. Are you guys already talking to any labels or anything? Yeah, I mean, I have you know connections with a different couple different labels, but what we're really focusing on is developing our fan base, right? Even more so because that way, of course, you know when it does come label time, we can negotiate better. So right. Because uh, as you know, what we've learned about the labels yeah <laughs> you know it's always best to do diy it seems sometimes especially in this day and age yeah definitely the only thing i mean not the only thing but the main thing that the label has is they're going to push you to a bigger audience right so you know obviously in this day and age you gotta tour your ass off and um a label can get you better gigs right and more publicity you know and the band, like, because you guys, uh, you've been doing small tours, I believe, from what I remember, you did a small tour in August. Um, was that was that in any part due to the success of the EP, or did you guys already know where your fan base was and you decided to go out there? A little bit of both, actually. And we we were originally planning to, you know, tour right after that EP, but, it, you know, we had some delays, and like you said, it wasn't until around August. And we did... You know, we definitely got, like, outsourced from different press. Like, we already had kind of connections there because they heard our stuff. So then when we went and played there, it's easier to have people come out. Right. So, yeah, you're correct on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so what is the story of Cynical? Because from what I remember, you told me you guys have been a band for a while. Right. Um, wh where did you guys get started? So we, we all grew up in Reno, Nevada. Yeah, it's like a small little, okay. nice little town, you know. And we uh, started playing around middle school, and we developed our fan base there. And then we wanted to, you know, see what else was out there and mm -hmm. also go to MI. So that's when we decided to go to California, okay. Los Angeles, and here we are today. Is know? it just you that goes to MI, or you have other members? Um, <clears throat> yeah, actually, I, you know, I went to MI, still go. And then my bass player, he did the... The, bat, or the associates for bass. Okay. And our drummer is actually currently enrolled right now. So. Okay. How hard was the bass? Uh, how, was hard, how hard was it to get your associates in bass? Do I you, mean, he ever tell you? No, I mean, as far as I know, I didn't see him study very much. <laughs> <laughs> I lived with him, so. <laughs> All you have to do is play bass, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, it, it's kind of crazy because we met at MI. Um, you actually work at MI. You work in uh, the financial department or? Yeah, the billing department. The billing department. Yeah. 
Um, and actually, you're probably the reason why I got out of the school, because if I didn't have your signature, I'd probably still be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the dark side of MI, you know, it's like, <laughs> alright, time to pay the bills. Starting battles with other uh, students? Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> I definitely, you know, there's some students that don't like me, but it's all their own fault. So. Right. <laughs> you want to talk about the grocery bag of uh, pennies and quarters? Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so one time... Let's, let's keep them nameless, because I know who it is. Yeah, it's actually, you know, a colleague of both of ours. <laughs> and he comes in, something happened where he was supposed to be doing the third quarter of the entrepreneurship right. pro program, and there wasn't enough enrollment. I think it was only so, two. Yeah, yeah, so that's how it kind of goes. It's like, hey, we can't throw a whole program for two students, sorry. Right. And then it turned out that he failed a class. So, I didn't hear that part of the story. Yeah, so basically, he had to like still enroll, and he was just you know he felt very um, wronged, and he felt like he got the kind of raw end of the deal. So, his revenge, his way to take it out, of course, <laughs> is he comes in with some something on like four hundred and ninety eight dollars yeah. of straight quarters. And they're all bust, like they're sealed in Bank of America bag. Like right. he obviously went to the bank and said, "I need this many quarters," and then broke them so that we couldn't. You know, it wasn't just like, "Oh, there's ten. Oh, there's ten. No, they were broken everywhere. It was like he was going to the laundromat. Yeah, I mean, basically <laughs> trying to you know do his dirty laundry, I guess. And I hope he hears this and understands that this is all in fun. Yeah, definitely. I hope everyone's over that. Spiteful fun. <laughs> <laughs> But he eventually got in, and no worries. I guess he got his uh, he got his uh, certificate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back to cynical. Yeah. Um, your guitar player and singer, and you guys are a throwback of sorts. I mean, it's kind of a throwback to like old like Motorhead slash Metallica. Right. Well, maybe a little lighter than Metallica mm -hmm. type genre. Um, how do you guys feel about? What you guys are playing in uh, the day and age we live in, especially where you have like the AP magazine only covering like the Bring Me the Horizons and bands right, like that. Right. Yeah. It's it's funny that you say Motorhead because we're a three piece. So right. You know. Yeah. Um, and we love Lemmy. He's always at the fucking <laughs> rainbow. Well, I know listening to it, like I the first time I listened to it, I'm like, this is total Motorhead without the voice because right. it's a different voice than Lemmy. But definitely, definitely. music wise, yeah. Um. And then I think it's funny that you bring up Bring Me the Horizon because their new track was so controversial. Yes. You know, I don't know why. And we just, our approach is like, let's just go in there and write some heavy stuff. You right. know what I mean? So it'll be interesting for our next, for our full length because in the past, like this, e that EP that we put out, we wrote it like an album. Okay. Being that it takes you from one place to another mm -hmm. place, you know, and we condensed it into six songs and put it out. And so it was very much like, okay, we need a song like this, we need a song like this. For for our full length, now we're just writing, you know, 20, 30 songs. It doesn't matter if it's like super heavy or if it wants to be one of the more chill songs, right. you know. And then we're going to go in and hack away. So then it, it'll be nice because we're very eclectic. And so we're going to kind of, you know. Right. Get more to the point, I guess. Right, because uh, for some reason I could hear it being like a heavy album, but with like a lot of jazz influence. I don't know. Do you, you get that? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you say that too, because there, now we have a part where it's probably one of our heaviest songs. It's like straight up, really fast and uh, heavy, and 
then it breaks down into nothing, mm -hmm. and then and we go into this little jazz section just to just to get some reactions, you know. Trading fourths or just straight up? Just straight up. I mean, I wouldn't have no one to trade for. All right, Drew again. All right, all right, Drew. Um, that's awesome. Uh, you guys are talking. You guys are. Do you expect to get signed when you release full length? Are you expecting to record it and then shop it? Or do you think that it's just going to be DIY straight up and next album you're going to be signed for? Okay, so basically my approach for this one will be I believe that you know it's going to take us to our next level and we're going to shop to the labels. Mm -hmm. But I don't foresee it getting picked up. I foresee it getting the attention of the labels mm -hmm. and then they're going to say, oh, you know, because they already know that what we're doing. Right. And so now when they hear our next product and see where we're going from there, I think then by the next one, they'll want to swoop it up because, you know, after everything that we've learned and in interning at Prosthetic Records, right. I've learned a lot about, you know, like we're going to make awesome picture discs and put out, you know, special one-offs so that right. we, we're creating our own income and our own special niches, so to speak. And most likely you're probably going to create your own distribution, am I right? Yeah, yeah. and that's <laughs> We learned that's a lot a, about that. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> another uh, another good time at MRI. Bernard. Great guy. Yeah. yeah. So. I, you know what? I actually learned a lot from Bernard. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of people say a lot of, you know, things about him, but... You know, if it wasn't for him, I, if I were to write an album and I want to distribute it, I probably would have taken a lot of the ideas that he gave us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the things he spoke about is a lot like, it's cool because that was our distribution class and we learned a lot. And, you know, one of the things that he taught us is you got to make your music collectible so that it's not, right. you know, because the CD is basically value, has no value today. No. You know, it's, and then as opposed to the music still has value though, but the right. CD itself you know, ends up on your floor. So Because they just put it in the computer and rip it anyway. Right, right. And then after hearing Bernard say things like that, and then working at Prosthetic, where it's like, you see this awesome picture disc vinyl mm -hmm. that's got the artwork on top of it, and then they got like, you know, centerfold and just amazing artwork, and then it makes the music something more, it makes that tangible feeling that we're missing, you know? Right, and he was, I remember, uh, I don't know, because... I think you took his class a quarter after I did. Um, but did he tell you the story about the band that was in his class? And they weren't selling their CDs at all. Like, they couldn't even, like, give away their CDs. Mm. But they came up with an idea to put them in, like, paper bags. Or, like, right. lunch bags. And make a collectible, put, like, drawings and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. And sold it for, like, what, $15, $25? Yeah. And they sold out on the first night. Of course. Heck yeah. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of bands, they even think about this stuff. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, in this day and age, you got to do everything you can. Exactly. As DIY artists. When you're writing for Cynical and uh, getting stuff ready for recording, mm -hmm. um, where do you draw your inspiration? Like, lyrically, musically, like, where do you come up with what you come up with? Okay, so, I mean, every day is any, you know, any type of interaction. And so... In the past, it used to kind of be more like, all right, yeah, I'm feeling pissed off because of this, so right. I'll write about that. But now that we're opening it up to just everything, mm -hmm. you know, we're writing songs, anything, you know, and a lot of our lyrics are, you know, personal, mm -hmm. and then a lot of them are also about the world that's going around. Right. So anything, really, and... 
but it has to come from the heart. It has to come from the soul. You know, too many bands these days are relying on computers and not getting that human element and that feel. Yeah, so. exactly. And um, you brought up, well, I brought up Bring Me the Horizon, but you brought up their new song. And can you tell me why there's controversy around that song? Because I personally don't understand why there would be controversy about it. I think it's just a fan base that is expecting something. <clears throat> because as a band, you have to grow. Right. You can't put out the same album, you know. That's why... Exactly. I feel that's why John way. Frusciante quit the Chili Peppers. You right, know? He's right. like, I don't want to do another Californication. Right. So... As a band, you have to grow, but you can't only think about yourself. You have to think about your fan base. Mm -hmm. And then also, people, you know, at that level, you need to start making more income and more income because your expenses are higher. Right. So they're thinking probably more radio-friendly. They're thinking, you know, uh, music supervision, licensing. And I believe that song was featured in a film or something. No. Well, which one are we talking about? Are we talking about the one with the rapper or are we talking about Drown? Oh, you're right. So Drown... That's from their album. Right. And then the other song is with a, a rapper that's on a movie that I think is only being put out in the UK. Okay. Or I think either the remake of Drive or something like that. Yeah, so it definitely sounds like their mindset is trying to look for different avenues. Right. But they got to remember their fan base. Exactly. Do you, yeah. think, do you think that... Um, do you think they're not thinking about their fan base when they're writing songs? Because with Drown... I mean, I could listen to songs like Sleepwalking that was on Sepaternal, and it's just a lighter version of that song. I mean, mm -hmm. the song with the rapper, that's another thing, but right. I don't think they're going too far away from their genre. No, I'd agree with you. I totally agree with you. But also, I think that they, they you know, tiptoe on a couple different genres. Mm -hmm. So they have one fan base that likes their more heavier stuff right. and then I think they're also trying to think about their other fan base that likes the more you know singing high pitched voice type of stuff so yeah well I personally I like Drown I think yeah, it's a great song I, I mean I dig it all yeah you know they're not like one of my top top favorite bands same here I, I definitely dig it I probably wouldn't have given them another look if it wasn't for Sleepwalking mm -hmm. and I didn't even hear their version I heard the This Wildlife version first the oh, acoustic right, band on right. Epitaph heck yeah um, and then I heard their version. I'm like, wow, this is a really good song. Yeah. And they perform it well. And this new song, Drown, uh, I think it opens the doors. It's a lot like, it's like a 30 Seconds to Mars meets uh, a new age, I don't know, uh, I guess new rock. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're tapping into uh, other genres. And before we get back to Drew Saragos, I just want to let you guys know that today... Today is your day. It's your day to go get your free audiobook download off audible.com and also your free 30-day trial. Uh, how do you sign up? Well, all you have to do, go to audibletrial.com backslash killrock, sign up. It's that easy. If you have an Amazon account, you're basically already set up. All you have to do is just say, hey, I want this. And you could cancel at any time. So you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to pay a cent and you support the Kill Rock podcast financially because every sign up Audible kicks back some cash towards us. But we really want you to check out their service. We really want you to get into it. We love Audible. We love audible.com. 
Last week, our Audible uh, Book of the Week was Chris Jericho's Best in the World and What I Have No Idea. So yeah, kicking it a bit uh, wrestling style, pro wrestling style, and at the same time a rock star. So you gotta love Chris Jericho. This week's Audible Book of the Week is Podcast Launch by John Lee Dumas. If it wasn't for Podcast Launch, I probably would not even know where to begin with this thing. The book tells you everything that you need to know what when it comes to equipment when it comes to uh podcast uh domains when it comes to even putting your podcast on itunes so if you're interested in podcasting go check out podcast launch by john lee dumas it's on audible.com you could use audibletrial.com backslash kill rock and use your free audiobook for that we have another song coming up for you guys before we get back to Drew Zaragoza from his band Cynical. This is off their EP, Still in Mind. This is their song, Fool, here on the hashtag KRP.
are back here on the Kill Rock Podcast. Once again, I have Drew Saragoza from Cynical as well as Musicians Institute. And you know what? I'm surprised Musician, Musicians Institute hasn't cut me a check because of all the talking <laughs> I do for them. <laughs> and you're in billing, so I'm sure you could take care of that somehow. Right. Maybe right. maybe get some of my money back from my loans. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about that band Shrapnel, and I don't want to talk too much about them because I feel like they've gotten enough exposure as it is. Right. But I showed you the interview um, that I did with them. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts about it, especially coming from a local band standpoint. Right. Um, yeah, that was hilarious, and <laughs> thank you for interviewing them because that made my life better. Yeah. And these guys, they're they're just so immature and right unprofessional that I mean it, it got them so much press that's how they were so dumb that you know uh do you think it was that big of a deal for them to cover it yeah I think Metal Sucks uh was right in covering it because for one that website you know has a lot of useless posts in the first place okay <laughs> so the type of people that are going to Metal Sucks you know it's it's almost like were these guys trolls like did they fool us all like <laughs> but then you hear your interview with them and yeah, it's exactly like, no and that, that's what i was thinking put down too. the bong and <laughs> you know that's what i was thinking too because i was like you know what i think i just got spun in their web i think i totally got spun in their web because they got back to me 45 minutes after i uploaded the interview nice. or not the interview but the episode with johnny uh -huh. moore and so i was like huh like I know they listened. Like, they had yep. to listen to the whole thing. And if you listen to the interview, Chris, the guitar player, even says it. He got what he wanted. He got the publication. He got the promotion. Definitely. Definitely. And, and now we're feeding into it. But let's break into a conversation about how local bands should go about booking their shows. Right. And us being from the L.A. area and Orange County area, um, it's probably... it's probably easiest for us to get shows yet it's definitely the hardest for us to bring people to those shows yeah definitely uh, when you're talking southern california it's kind of a quality versus quantity right there's so many places to play right that like you said that doesn't mean that there's going to be an audience there no. and for a young band the number one thing you could do is try to book smart and if you're if you are going to book you know, say you want to play two to three times a month, then stretch it out so that it's not in the same region. Right. And then make sure that those regions that you're going to have people that like your band there. So, for instance, hey, Keith, you know, we'll go play to him. We'll go out to Orange County and okay. tear it up out there because we have people out there. Right. And definitely for a band like, like Shrapnel, they need to focus on connecting with their fan base because it seems like right now they're just playing to their parents and to their girlfriends that mm. don't even stay for the whole show yeah so they need to outsource to other places like you suggested bring flyers and that blew their mind yeah i know like, i was oh like how God. can they not like they're like how do you how do you book a show oh we go on our facebook and we send an invite to people and people get pissed because we send too many and like isn't that the first thing we learned Basically. about promoting a band is like, not to sit behind your computer? Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that has something to do with 
the um, the age the the what is the word I'm looking for the day and age the generation yeah, that they are they're exactly. about a generation younger than us you know not half a generation younger than us but we right. came up in that time where the internet was still new and mm-hmm. we got to grow with it and we were also being exposed to everything that was already being done before right these guys don't even know what Pastel flyers looks like you it's, know? it's it's just, everything we've done is already established like when I when my band was going Facebook was brand new yeah. and then you had MySpace and MySpace was probably a better way to promote your music than definitely. Facebook is definitely um, and there's not even a great social media outlet for you to promote music anymore so you have to get out there yeah exactly and there's <clears throat> the overflow of these online bands, you know, now we got bands like Shrapnel who right. maybe they're not ready to go play two hours away from their mother's house, you know? Yeah. So it's like... And maybe their dad should stop booking their shows. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Or at least if he's going to book the shows, maybe he should manage the Facebook too. <laughs> yes. I think there should be a way better manager of their Facebook and not one of those like, oh, he posted it up. Oh, well. Right. I mean, I, I, I got to give them credit, though, for, you know, going out there and speaking their minds, their small minds, but <laughs> let alone getting the balls, because I think we've all been there when, yeah, you go, you know, even if you do all the correct planning, sometimes you're going to have bad nights, sometimes right. you're going to have good nights. So even national acts, good nights, bad nights. So they need to take that in, you know, right. because, yeah, it sucks playing to two people. It, do, it really does. And now, Cynical, um, you guys have played big venues. You played the House of Blues on Sunset. Yeah. You played one of the, probably the last, one of the last shows at the House of Blues on Sunset. Yeah. Um, you played other venues uh, in Hollywood, in Los Angeles. Can you tell me a story about a show where you're like, man, I'm super pumped about this. Is that a great venue? We're going to get super exposed. Mm-hmm. And you ended up playing in front of... I won't say no one because no person is no one, but right. it wasn't. It was lackluster at best. Definitely, yeah. I got a perfect example. It was probably our second show in in LA, and it was at this little crappy dive bar called Saber Lounge, and we were like booked with some good bands, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, uh, you know, you guys will go third out of like six bands, whatever, whatever. Yeah, cool prime slot you exactly know, we got our we got our little fan base like our couple friends to, coming <laughs> to see us and uh and then we get there and like oh yeah cynical oh yeah you guys got moved to last and this is on like i said a six band bill yeah um and it was horrible by the time that we played it was literally 145 or so by the time we got on stage and there was literally two people in the sh- in the crowd <laughs> And we rocked those two people harder than any crowd that we've ever rocked. And those two people loved it. Yes. And they stayed. And it taught us, you know, yeah. what you we didn't go home and bitch and go on Facebook and start exactly. crying. We cried a little bit, but not on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when Confide when Confide was a good band, um, their bass player, Billy, he told us, and this was when we were getting started out, he said, you know what? You play in front of two people the same way you play in front of 5,000 people. Yeah. And you don't complain because those people end up coming. Definitely. Definitely. Um, my story, uh, I told it on the show once, but 
my band, we were playing our first show at Chain Reaction. Nice. And yeah, exactly. And <laughs> nobody knows Chain Reaction. Chain Reaction is probably it's the spot in Orange County. Right. Um, we're gonna play there. The booker, the promoter, was paid to play. The promoter said, you know, sell these tickets. You guys will get. Well, guys will get third. Third out of six, and the show's going to sell out. I had no idea who the bands were. It was a local showcase, but it was going to sell out. Mm. Well, we get there. We give them our money for the tickets. End up being pushed to last. Whole venue was packed, at least by the fourth or fifth band. Packed. And once we got on stage, five, six, seven, all of our friends. All of our friends that came to see us, they were all there, and thank God they were there to see us. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, one of them was uh, my girlfriend, who I'm now with. We weren't together then, but now we are, so we have that story to tell. But it's from experience. After that, my band played Chain Reaction at least five or six more times, and we played sellout shows there. Right. So you always have to come from somewhere definitely. to get to another. You have to get. You have to start from point A to point B. Right. Definitely. Um, since we have pay to play, I don't think they do pay to play out in the Midwest. Um, how do you feel about it in Southern California? Do you think it's a necessary evil? Yes and no, but mainly yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> the ones that really get on my nerves are just like, or some little crap dive bar, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, in the valley somewhere. Right. And it's on a Monday night, and they want you to go on at twelve, and they want you to sell thirty tickets at you know fifteen dollars each. Right. When so that's like just like money hungry promoters and venues, and it, it. I mean, I know why they're doing it too, is because for one, they need their money. For mm-hmm. two, you want to play to people. Well, then here it is. You got to go sell these tickets. That's you know the LA way or whatever. Right. But I think it's. Sometimes, you know, okay, we might take a pay-to-play show into consideration if you got to weigh it out. Okay, so we're opening for a national act. Right. Or is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where I think it helps. But at the same time, I think it would be much more beneficial and if you were asked to play that gig, to open up for mm-hmm. a national act. Right. You know, because that means that they actually want you on the bill as opposed to they want your money. Right. So. Now, what about like because we, you said you said earlier quantity versus quality because there are so many bands mm-hmm. in this area. Do you think that that pay to play kind of helps out weed out you know uh, the supposed posers from the actual bands that want to be legit? Yes and no because um, what you're saying is very valid in a point where. The band that will get off their butt and go hustle and sell these tickets, mm-hmm. yeah, they should play. But at the same time, you know, Shrapnel's manager, <laughs> we could ask him, hey, Dad, want to just, you know, we don't got the money this time. Right. So I see a lot of that happening. Do you think bands need to have money to make it? Like a rich mommy and daddy? No. What does need to happen is there has to be some kind of cash flow. Someone has to be investing. Even if it's, hey, bros, we need freaking five bucks each for gas. You know, as long as there's some kind of business model. But, and then when you got these rich moms and dads, and I'm not not speaking for all of them, but what I've seen is that they're given stuff and they don't, have you know they don't work at their talent because 
they were just always bought everything. Right. And it's like you can't you can't always have talent when you have money. You have to have the talent too. Exactly. Um I guess that's the last time we'll ever talk about shrapnel on this show. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, hopefully you don't start yeah, sending me yeah. new music. It's like the play. devil, you know. It's <laughs> like you don't want to talk about it too much, but <laughs> Voldemort, yeah. he that shall not be named. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about. Um, we talked. I think I texted you uh, about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, I talked about her on the show as well, and the success that she's having with her album 1989. Um, crazy because we're doing this interview before we even find out the final numbers right but it's projected to be over 1.3 million albums and not only 1.3 million albums but she's gonna be the only artist most likely to get a platinum record this in the year first week yeah. in her first week yeah right. but in the whole year no one has a platinum album this year right and I think Rich Ezra would probably have a lot to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys see. <laughs> see, and I like talking about this because we did take news and uh, industry uh, class together. Right. So it's kind of a perfect way for us to kind of keep that going. We've, we've learned how to professionally bull poop. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's true. It is totally In the words true. words of shrapnel, bull poop. Bill poop. Bull poop. Yes, and if you could bull poop to Rich Ezra, I think you're golden. Yeah, you should try and get him on the show. I've been trying. You know what? I was thinking about. I want to get him and Carl. Nice. Because I think Carl, especially with Taylor Swift. Oh yeah. I think both of them would be perfect for this show. So if Carl Lewis and Rich Ezra are listening, kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. Now let's <laughs> talk about Taylor Swift, 1989. Have you heard the record yet? I've heard a song. I don't recall what the name of it was, but my girlfriend played it for me yesterday, and it just sounded very poppy. I feel like we were in like the same car, right? Because my girlfriend <laughs> was playing the love for me too. Um, now, it's a very pop album. It's nothing like she's ever come up with. Right. Well, I guess to a certain extent before, um, and sold over over a million albums in one week. Yeah. Why? Because she's built her fan base. She's, you know, from the DIY level to mm -hmm. a megastar. I mean, she's pretty much a perfect example of building your fan base. And, you know, she did the Papa John's thing. And right. she just, she knows how to reach her people. Yeah. So I think it's a great statement for music that we, people are still buying music. Mm -hmm. You just have to get it to them because there's no major label that's going to shove it down their throats anymore. No. You know, so it, people still want to buy music, but they only want, they want to hand it to them, essentially. Do you, do you think it not being on Spotify has anything to do with it? Yeah. Or is that kind of a minor, minor thing? I think it's minor. Mm -hmm. I think it's minor because the people who are looking for her stuff on Spotify... Are they really the ones that are also buying? That is a good point. So that's where that's what I always kind of tiptoe about Spotify, you mm -hmm. know, because it's like, okay, if anyone actually likes the band, they probably heard it before Spotify, and they probably already had some kind of investment in the artist. Mm -hmm. so. Do you think that because it did bypass Spotify, do you think that maybe some indie labels might? You know, kind of say, hey, maybe I shouldn't put my band on for the first week. Maybe that'll up our sales. Yeah, indie labels tend to do that, especially because they get 
you know, all the major labels, they get their special agreements that nobody knows right. about. And the indie labels, they're screwed over like the DIY artists. Right. Where we're getting, you know, fractions of a penny. And I think for an indie label, you have to be on Spotify. Okay. Even if you don't want to put your all your band's catalog on there, you need something up there because it is, you know, at Taylor Swift's level, I think that people already know about her. Mm-hmm. And she was around before Spotify. So she was. People were buying her stuff before, you know. But as a new band, you have to take everything that you can because we're seeing kind of the break of an old model. She's like this dying dinosaur, like, you know, the last platinum album. <laughs> like, there it goes. Do you, you think know? it's going to be uh, extinct, the platinum album? I think that eventually, you know, the RIAA has to come up with a new system. Because do you think Spotify is gonna have to cut or not? Let's not let's take out Spotify. Let's just talk about streaming services. Streaming. Um, do you think that the RIAA is gonna have to adapt some of that uh, streaming access? Yes. To what? How they account for albums? Yeah, I mean, Billboard has. <laughs> it's true Billboard, they have. Yes. Know. So if they don't, then see that's just the whole thing. It's like okay, you can either catch up with the ages mm-hmm. or you're this dying dinosaur thing right and i think they're a big enough organization that they're gonna have to start or else no one's they, gonna get anything they probably should have started a long time ago especially yeah. when itunes started yeah definitely. they're barely adapted to that right um and it doesn't hurt for taylor swift that uh i don't know how much she's actually toured this year but i know the previous year she was like the only act that was a nostalgic act to sell uh more tickets on tour uh-huh. you know she probably i think she made like top five money and she's not bon jovi and she's not uh the rolling stones or anything right. like that so that i guess that helps with their album sales as well yeah she definitely uh you know did the footwork before this album got back in contact with her with her fans yeah she has a good uh marketing marketing uh, uh people as well definitely um do you think that there it goes. I think we're done. I think we're done with that because yeah. I think we touched up on everything. Uh, like I mean, independent bands, you know, they're not going to sell. Do you think independent band? Uh, let's go low. Let's talk about like bands like Bring Me the Horizon or mm-hmm. Pierce the Veil or you know the bands that are up there in the independent markets. Right. Do you think they'll ever sell two hundred fifty, let alone five hundred thousand albums ever again? Do you think they're going to hit under oath numbers? No. I think that they won't because that's like almost trying to go back in history. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like if under oath came out today, would they sell that amount? No, they would not. So I think eventually this whole thing is going to turn and because it's just a backlash of like, you know, they say that the 90s, they're spending ridiculous amounts on albums that and on true. music videos and on right. drugs and you know you all <laughs> drugs about, yeah you all heard about corn you know yes so that, that we're living a backlash of that now right. everyone's super broke no you know? and the streaming services and I'm sure iTunes didn't help at all either right so I think eventually we'll go full circle and you know there'll be more money in music overall right and it might not be album sales that we're now it might be streams and hopefully you know there's actually money being 
generated from that, not fractions of a penny. Right. Because someone's getting the money. That's the worst part about it, and it's not the artist. <laughs> it's not the band. <laughs> no. So. I, w- I was listening to I listened to uh, the Bad Christian podcast. There, it's uh, it's ran by. Uh, have you heard of it? No. No, you haven't. It's ran by Toby and Matt from the band Emery, who okay. are on Tooth and Nail Records. And they had Brandon Ebel, who was the owner of Tooth and Nail. Nice. And um, he was telling how he, when they linked up with EMI in the early 2000s, uh, he was basically making the best decisions. He signed Under Oath, he signed Norma Jean, he signed all these bands, uh, mm. including Emery. And EMI loved him. And they're like, you know what, give Under Oath you know, this amount of money to re-sign them, give them that. Right. And uh, Matt from Emory was telling the story. And he went into the numbers. He's like, you offered us $500,000 to re-sign. And as an independent band, they were probably going to go to like Aaron Sprinkle or someone cheap to record the album. So right. that's extra money for them. Definitely. But they turned it down because they had Kiss's manager. And Kiss's manager was, uh, you know, he was like, nah, we can do without it. Right. But... I guess the moral of the story is is that that was around the time of 05, 06 when the business was starting to decline mm-hmm. and basically Emery left that money on the table and that album that they released bombed. So that means like no major labels are looking at them. No right. one's looking at them right. except for Tooth and Nail. And so they went back to Tooth and Nail and signed for a lot less than they were offered right. originally. Right. It's It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they probably learned a lot on that one. So <laughs> from what from the episode that I listened to, yes, they have. <laughs> you know, they they just you know bands got to take what they're given. Yeah, especially in this day and age, that you know, it used to be like people didn't want to be associated with any type of advertising. Right now, you are lucky if you can get some kind of sponsorship or some kind of advertising. You know, where there's back end money. Yeah. So. And the only advertising, real advertising, my band got, we spent a hundred dollars to get our get featured in AP Magazine. Uh-huh. This is how we got featured. It was a promotional company, and I think it was like an ad company or a PR company. I don't remember what, but there was like fifty bands, little thumbnails, <laughs> pictures on there, and it all it said was the Perosia Facebook link. I think it was old enough to have MySpace link, and it was just a little picture of us just yeah. standing in the middle of a forest. Yeah. Like, that's the, and that's the only promotion we've ever gotten. I, I'm sure Cynical's gotten a lot more because you guys have been pushing a lot hard, really hard this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely the press game is, it's kind of, it's kind of clicky. Definitely. <laughs> it's very clicky. So. I'm trying, that, that's what I'm learning from doing this podcast. Right. Uh, do you have anything, any last things to say about Cynical, about the future, even about our great school of Musicians Institute, located in Hollywood, California, off Hollywood Boulevard? Um, tuition is not as expensive as <laughs> a lot of people make you think. As quarters. Don't bring in your quarters. quarters. Bring in your quarters to Drew, <laughs> and you'll get the classes you need to learn about the music industry. <laughs> So glad we got that story in. Yeah, definitely. Any last things you want to say? Anywhere we could find Cynical on the internet? Uh, yeah, definitely. We're on all the social media, all Spotify, all that. Because, like I said, as an independent, up and coming band, you have to be wherever, wherever the people are. So, whatever right. you fancy, S I N I C L E, you'll find us somewhere on there. And we're writing a full length, so look out for that in 2015. 
going on tour probably at least a couple times next year. And for all the local people, we're playing Lucky Strike on December 1st. That's uh, free bowling and free tickets. So. Free bowling? Yeah. Any purchase necessary to no get it? No purchase necessary. And there are super cheap drinks. It's 21 and over. So, Shrapnel, we're so sorry, but that's <laughs> the last time. That is the <laughs> last one. I don't think they could get their mom and dad to drive them from Chicago anyway. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of gas. It's a lot of gas. <laughs> it's a lot of. That was the most. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. We played a full week in Palmdale, and I drive like I drove a, a 1999 Ford Ranger. Yeah, that's that's lot, that's eating up gas right there. Yeah, because especially you're going uphill the whole time. But well, yeah. anyway, <laughs> Drew, it was awesome having Thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. Come on again. Definitely. This was enjoyable. I had Definitely. a lot of fun. Yeah. And we're shaking hands. Woo! No one can see it. <laughs> All right, and we're going to play another song by Cynical. Which song is this? Battleborn. Battleborn, here on the hashtag
me up love being pumped up especially here on the kill rock podcast the hashtag krp yeah i know sometimes i sound like a professional wrestler the way i deliver things i what was that sorry i heard something was that me that was totally me the ducks are just started they're out in winnipeg and speaking of winnipeg i want to let you there's this podcast out there called witch police they're on iTunes. They're they're based out of Canada, actually in Manitoba. So, uh, you know, the Ducks are in Manitoba right now, Winnipeg, playing the Jets. The game just started, actually, and that's why my phone buzzed. The, uh, perfect se- perfect segue. Uh, you know, but per- anyway, shout out to uh, Witch Police. They've had some amazing guests. They've had uh, bands like Propagandi and incredible incredible stuff coming out of canada we'd love to get them on the show one of these days uh we'll see we'll see what happens i would love to get on their show one of these days Uh, you know anyway i want to say thank you to drew for coming on the show such an amazing dude such an awesome dude uh cynical is a great band i i enjoy cynical normally they are not the you know the kind of band that i would just go listen to because it's not necessarily my style, but that song, Battleborn, oh my god, it is so good. It gets me so pumped up. It's just like, mm-hmm. And I wish you could have totally saw that, because my head was shaking, my arms were quaking, and I am a whole hot mess over here, because Battleborn, such a good song. I can't wait to go uh, check them out. They were at uh, Lucky Strike last Monday. They're going to be playing some a lot of shows, actually, in January. So, we'll let you know when those shows are. If you enjoy Cynical, go check them out on Facebook. Go check them out everywhere. And uh, go get tickets. They have shows coming up in January in the Southern California area. And I believe uh, he told me they're going to be going to San Francisco and Reno. Don't quote me on that. But go check out Cynical amazing band we want to thank you guys for joining us here on the kill rock podcast before we leave we want to let you guys know that they're not just audible.com that's not the only way to uh support the kill rock podcast also rating reviewing subscribing and just sharing it with your friends that helps the kill rock podcast immensely it helps us spread the word on what we are about on what we do here and the bands that we talk about Here's the thing about the Kill Rock podcast, and I might have said it before, I don't remember. It seems like something I should have said, but we love getting the mainstream bands, or at least as mainstream as possible, the bands that are known throughout the country, throughout the world. Why? Because that brings people to listen to the show. But the ulterior motive, there is a motive. There's a reason why we play independent and local bands on the show. It's not just because we can't get the licenses to play all the bands we want, which that is sort of a case. But even if we were able to do that, we want to play independent music. We want to play your songs. 
We want to spread your word. So, if you are in a band and you want us to play your music on the air, even get an interview sometime in the future, you can email us at kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a link to your music. If it's a band camp, that's perfect. If it's SoundCloud, that is perfect. Even if you have MP3s to send, you can, but we prefer SoundCloud or Bandcamp. We would love to hear your music. So please, kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com, send us your jams. We will play your music on the air. And you know what? We won't even charge you. We'll never charge you to play your music on the air. And yes, rating, reviewing, subscribing, that's so important. That's the most important thing you could do. But if you do want to help contribute financially, audibletrial.com backslash killrock is the best way. Because you don't even have to spend a cent. And it's, I mean, you could cancel any time. So you don't have to spend a cent. But if you love the service, stick with it. Get all the audio book downloads on audible.com. Also, there is a PayPal link on the killrockpodcast.com website. You could click that and donate, contribute as much as you want. Help us financially. We want to spread the word. We want to get everything out there. And you know what? We want this to become you know a business. We want to do this full time. So check it out. AudibleTrial.com backslash Killrock or hit that PayPal link in the website. Before we go this week, we're going to play a jam from next week's guest. Yes, straight out of Australia. Australia, mate. I'm not really good at accents. I don't even know what kind of accent this is. Can you tell me? I don't think it's Australian. Um, <laughs> I am so stupid. Anyways, we have Prepared Like a Bride. They came out to America. They did their first American tour. And they finished it off in Southern California. And we were there. We got to talk to them. We got to uh, ask really stereo- really stereotypical questions about Australia and about the bands out in Australia. Australia, I'm not good at this. Any close rel- relatives to myself are going to be super embarrassed. And that's okay. I love embarrassing people as long as it's you know not myself. Anyways, Prepared Like a Bride is coming up next week. Before we leave you, we're going to play a jam off their album, Overcomer. This is totally my favorite song off that album. This is Blood Red. Here on the Kill Rock Podcast. The hashtag KRP. We will see you next Monday for Prepared Like a Bride.